0: Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I need you to turn to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 13 Uh, this morning. We've already uh, made reference to that uh, we are going to be looking at a sermon entitled, Holy Followers of Jesus. You're going to see where we came up with that uh, title in, in just a few moments. We understand now that as we've gone through the book of Joshua, we've gone and we've seen many victories won. We saw the victory at Jericho. We saw the the victory at Ai the second time. But we've also seen defeats. Just last week, uh, we saw the defeat there at Ai. And the reason why they were defeated is because they did not consult God. They wanted to do it their own way. The book of Joshua is a a beautiful picture of our life, is it not? Many of you can testify this morning that you've had some victories, and we praise Him for it. But there are many of us today, and maybe there's someone today that says, I've been defeated. And I want you to know, my dear friend, that you may be defeated today, but you can have victory tomorrow. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't give up on us? And so we see here a number of things have taken place. Well, we've now seen right before we get to this chapter uh, that the inheritance now is being divided up. And then that brings us to chapter number 14. Today we're going to look at a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb, and uh, it was 85 years old here, as we find him in chapter 14. 85 years old. I don't know about you, but the older I get, uh, the more I seem to gravitate towards Caleb. Caleb, 85, he still had passion. Caleb, at 85, still had that determination. Caleb, at the age of 85, was still wanting to serve his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. We need to understand this morning that there is no age limit on how and how long you serve God. You may be a young person here today. Don't let that hinder you from serving God. Don't buy into that where you're just a little too young. You're not too young to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you, teenagers and children, I encourage you, you can serve God now. But you also, we have senior adults here, and I've heard many say, well, it's time for me to go ahead and sit on the sidelines and let someone else. I've already paid my dues. You'll never find that in the Word of God. There is no retirement plan to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So you may be 85 years old. You need to understand. You may have some limitations. You may have some difficulties, but you can still serve God. And those of us, uh, every one of us, in this room today, we need to understand no matter how old you are, or no matter how young you are, no matter how many limitations you might have, you can still serve God. And so, here we come to chapter 14. And this morning, I want you to see that Caleb was not satisfied with a status quo. He wanted every promise that God had promised him to be fulfilled in his life. Do you have a desire for that this morning? That you want everything that the Lord Jesus has given you. Let me hear what I said. That he has given you. See, he's already given you everything that you need. It's up to you to determine if you want to go ahead and claim that promise that he's already given you. Caleb was not satisfied with going through the motions. Caleb wasn't satisfied with just being half-hearted. He was in it to win it. And I want you to be encouraged this morning that you need to make that commitment as well. That you're in it to win it. And you're wanting everything that God has given you. You want to be victorious in your Christian walk into the day that he calls you home. And so here, we're found ourselves in verse number 12. Listen what the word of the Lord says. He says, now that therefore, this is Caleb speaking. Remember, he's 85 years old at this time. He says, now therefore, Give me this mountain. Now, I don't think that uh, Caleb, when he went to Joshua, uh, said it like this. Hey, Joshua, if if it's okay with you, would would you give me that mountain? I think he was pretty bold about it. He went up there and he said, Joshua, give me this mountain. He was determined he was going to get what God had already promised him. He says, now, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou hast heardest in that day how the Anak- Anakims were there, and that the cities were great, and they were fenced. If so, be the Lord will be with me. Notice here. We're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see the commitment of Caleb. We're going to see the confidence of Caleb. And we're going to see the courage of Caleb. Notice here, he says, I'm able to go ahead and claim this mountain because the Lord has already told me that it was mine. It was part of my inheritance. Oh, believer, do you understand this morning that you have an inheritance? You have an inheritance that many of you are going to lose out on because you have not made commitment to it and you have not have confidence in it and you don't have courage. See, even though the inheritance is for us, we're going to have to do our part. To be able to fulfill what God has already promised to us. And so he goes and he says. And so he said the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Now look at verse number 13. It says in Joshua. Blessed him and gave him unto Caleb the son of Jephthah, uh, Hebron, For an inheritance. Now, we're going to see uh, three things, as I already made mention. The first thing that we're going to see this morning is commitment. I started thinking about uh, uh, this commitment that uh, Caleb had. And I I went back to the days, many of you can attest to this, but remember back, a few years back, that uh, there was no malls. I remember those days. I know it's foreign to many of you. What do you mean no malls? How did people live back then? There was no Opry Mills, no Rivergate, and, and all that. And so if you had to do any shopping, you had to go downtown Nashville. Downtown Nashville had the stores, had Harveys. And they all had those windows. Remember the windows that they would decorate? And, you know, and uh, my mom used to say this quite a bit... Oh we're going to go into Nashville today, and he says well, while we're going, so she said, we're going to go do some window shopping." Do you remember those days when you go window shopping? I, I couldn't quite understand why they called it window shopping. I thought shopping means you actually went and would purchase something. Isn't that what shopping's about? Ladies, you helped me here this morning. You know what shopping means? It means you go buy something. That's the reason why you go, when you tell your husband, Honey, I'm going to go shopping, why they have fear that comes up on their face because they know it's going to cost me something. And, but uh, we would go and we'd, we'd window shop. And, and mom would say, oh, this a, you know, and we would uh, just wish and, and we'd dream. Boy, it'd be nice to have this and that. I, I think they ought to call it window looking. But as I thought about that, I, I thought about Caleb here. Uh, see, Caleb wasn't like many of us. When it comes to the things of God, sometimes we do window shopping. We, we go and we think, you know, I'd like to have a, some of that peace that he's talked about. But then you start thinking, wait, wait a minute. Uh, if I'm going to be able to get some peace, it could mean that I might have unrest come into my life and I don't want any unrest in my life, so I'm just going to go ahead and back up, and I'll go to the next window. Maybe you're here, and you just need some joy. You've lost your joy. Haven't lost your salvation. If you're truly saved, you cannot lose your salvation, but you sure can lose your joy. And maybe you're here today, and you say, Boy, I'd like to have the joy in the Lord in my life. But then you think, Whoa, wait a minute. To have joy in my life, it may mean there might have to be some sorrow coming to my life. And I don't want any sorrow, so I'm going to go ahead and back up on that. Isn't it a shame that many who profess Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, when it comes to the promises that God has made, we'd like to just go ahead and be settled with window shopping. Not Caleb. Caleb was in it to win it. As I thought about that, I, I, I looked and I thought of three things. First of all, we see about commitment. Now I'm asked, uh, Sammy. Sammy's going to come up here and he's going to help me this morning. So, Sammy, you make your way to the platform, sir, my dear brother. Now, the reason I picked uh, Sammy to help me this morning is because some weeks ago, I got his brother, Isaac, to help me. And uh, after the service, Sammy came to me. He says, if you ever need help, please call me. (laughs) I said, okay. So I went to him this morning. I said, Sammy, I need your help. Man, he was pumped up and excited. And he doesn't even know what I'm going to ask him to do. (laughs) See, Sammy, you have committed. You're in it to win it, right, brother? Okay. But uh, we, we see here in, in verse 8, verse 9, and also in verse number 14, we hear a, see a phrase. That's where we got the title of this morning's message. It's holy followed. Amen. Did you catch that? Amen. It didn't say he just followed. It says he wholly followed. We see this phrase used about Caleb five times in the Old Testament. It's a very interesting word. The the phrase in itself means to close the gap. To close the gap. Some of you already know where I'm heading with this. Uh, It's a hunter's term. When you're out and you're, you're deer hunting and uh, you know that uh, you've spotted a deer, and, but you want to get a closer shot, you would use this term that you're wanting to uh, uh, close the gap. You're wanting to get closer to that prey, right? Here, Caleb, the Bible says he was wholly a follower of the Lord. Now, demonstrate here. Uh, Sammy, I want you to just go, just start walking. There. Okay, you can stop. Now, say that Sammy's is still, still walking, okay? Don't walk because you walk off the stage. <laughs> and I'm back here. But I'm following after Sammy, am I not? Am, am I not still following? Even though I'm back here, I'm still following him. Now, Sammy, come a little closer here. Or, Closer. A little closer. A little closer. That's close enough. <laughs> Turn. Now, if Sammy starts walking, start walking. I'm still following him, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you get the picture? Yeah. The Bible says he wholly followed. That means that he was wanting to get as close as he could yeah. to his God. Amen. And so he, Caleb, was not satisfied with walking afar off. Caleb was wanting to get as close to God as he could. And every step that the Lord took, he was wanting to take with him. Thank you, Sammy. You did a good job, buddy. Now, as we're looking at this, if we're going to get everything that the Lord has promised... We've got to make a commitment that we're not just going to be followers of Jesus, but we're going to be holy followers of Jesus. I want to get that relationship with Him as close as I can. Caleb, when he called out to God, it was a local call for him, not a long distance call. And many of you are losing the blessings that God has in store for you. Many of you are being defeated in your battles because you may be a follower, but you need to be wholly following the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see Caleb was committed. He was going to give everything he had to serve his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. He made a commitment. He made a commitment that he did not back up on. He was willing to pay the cost. By the way, my dear friends, we need to understand if we're going to be holy followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something, but it will cost you whatever it may cost you. It will be worth the price that you had to pay because Jesus has promised us that He will not leave nor forsake us. He's in control. And so I'm being committed. Caleb understood that he had to give it all. Total surrendering. I started thinking about this and I thought, well, you know, the Lord, when he saved me, he saved all of me. You do understand that, right? Amen. So if he saved all of you, wouldn't it be reasonable for us to give our all to Him? That's what Caleb did. Caleb didn't sit around and, and start calculating, okay, what's this going to cost me? He understood because of his faith. Goes back to our faith. Caleb, the faith is that he heard the Lord give him a promise 40 years back. Matter of fact, he says at the age of 85, he says, I'm just as strong uh, now as I was when I was 40 years old. Now, you say, well, how could that be? He's not necessarily talking physically, but he's talking spiritually. And so he was totally committed. We have to give all to him. Julius Caesar, in one of his campaigns as he went to Britain, uh, he, uh, his ships, they uh, came ashore around the cities of Dover. He took his troops and uh, he took them to a very high cliff. So he uh, takes them up there and this cliff, of course, uh, when you get there, you could see everything down below. So all of his men got up there and they were astonished what they were seeing. As they were looking down there in that little cove where the ships came and landed for this campaign, they were all on fire. And they, they said, well, what's going on? Julius Caesar said, I set every one of our ships on fire. And they said, well, why don't you do something like that? He says, because we know we are totally committed. To this campaign because we have no way else to go. He was totally Amen. committed. Amen. Are you totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? I'm not talking about have you, oh, went ahead and you got you a little escape route just in case this thing doesn't work out. I'm talking about that you have burned all of your ships. You have have made a commitment that you have totally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're not looking back. You're not going to back up. You're not going to look and see if there's any escape route. You are in it to win it. Can that explain you this morning? Does that help us to understand your testimony that you are totally committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And you want everything that He's promised you. You want every promise that He's made to be fulfilled in your life. You don't want to be status quo. You don't want to be an average Christian, but you want to be sold out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is that you this morning? Totally committed. Caleb was totally committed. We see in James chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible tells us there that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Do you know why you're not living the victorious life that you should be living? It's because you're a double-minded. See, you have, you have one foot over here and you have one foot over here. And when things get a little rocky, you kind of go over this way. Or, or you, you're thinking, well, you know, this is getting kind of tough over here. And is there another place I can set my foot in? A double-minded, mind, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We also see it in Scripture where? In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24, Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says, "You must deny yourself." See, that's where we have problem. Deny yourself. You you have to deny yourself. Jesus says, and you have to pick up your cross and follow me. Is that you this morning? Are you totally committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you totally committed that you have made a commitment here today that you don't want to just go through the motions? That's the reason why the impact of the church is not being felt in the lost and dying world because we've been half-hearted about our commitment to Him. We we, we wanted to kind of have our cake and eat it too, so to speak. We, we gotta, uh, you know, we, we want what the world has to offer, but we also want to uh, have what God has to offer. And, and then when we get a little in a tight jam and when we get a little crisis mode, we will go and say, well, I'm committed now. That's not what we're talking about here. Caleb didn't wait till t- trouble came his way. He won the very front end of the deal. He says, I am committed to serve the Lord. And so, uh, we see his commitment. I uh, came across this story that helps illustrate what we're talking about when we're talking about total commitment. In 1964, there were Nepal fighters. They were uh, fighting Indonesia at the time. And so they were uh, getting this, uh, uh, needing some uh, fighters to go into Indonesia, and they were going to drop them out of the airplanes. And so they got a group of men, and they the, the one who was heading up uh, this uh, endeavor said, uh, now here's what I need from you. I need to know that you would be willing to go behind enemy lines and jump out, of an airplane, are you committed to this task? Everyone in that room, they raised their hands. Says we're committed. Some of them were a little had some fear up on their face, and uh, but they still went ahead. Says we're committed. But they said we only have two requests. The one, the officer that was in charge of this operation, said. What, what's your request? Well, the first request is that the plane that we're going to be on, that it will fly slow and that it will uh, fly no higher than 100 feet above the ground. The officer looked at him kind of puzzled and he says, well, I don't understand why you're making this request. He says, but that's going to be impossible that we fly the planes that low. And they said, well, what will be the issue there? He says, Uh, It will not give you enough time to deploy your parachutes. They all kind of looked at each other. And the one that kind of spoke for the group says, Oh, you didn't tell us where we're having parachutes. (laughs) They were totally committed. They didn't count the cost. Are you totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are are you satisfied with the status quo? My dear friend, if you're satisfied with the status quo, you will continue to get what you've been getting. But if you totally commit yourself to serving the Lord Jesus and that you want to live your life with an attitude that I want every promise that God's made to me to be fulfilled in my life, you'll see your life be radically changed. For the cause of Jesus Christ. But then we see not only about commitment, but we also see there was a confidence. We see that he got the, this confidence because he remembered what the Lord told him back in Deuteronomy chapter number one, verses 34 through 36. God had promised him that he was going to be able to go. Now, also, as I made mention five times uh, in the Old Testament, this phrase "holy follow." This is another. In Deuteronomy uh, one thirty six, it says, "Because Caleb wholly followed, God gave him a promise that he would be able to claim his inheritance." And so he had this. Confidence about Him. See, when you're totally committed, that commitment will bleed over into your confidence. Do you have confidence in the Word of God? Do you have confidence that what God has said in His Word, that He meant every word of it? Do you have a faith, and a faith that's not based upon positive thinking? Nothing wrong with positive thinking, but that's not a definition of faith. You're optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic. That's not a picture of faith. Uh, See, faith is not about uh, uh, your positive thinking or uh, that you always look on the bright side of things. Your faith is solely based upon what God's Word says and you've acted upon what God's Word has said. That's faith. Do you have confidence in this book we call the Bible? Well, Brother Mike, we're Hillcrest Baptist Church. You know we do. Do we? Do we? Because here's how we operate. If it adds up, when we put it down on paper, we'll go for it. Now, I'm not saying that we be reckless with it. I'm not saying blind faith. What I'm saying is, if we take God's Word, do we really have faith that His Word is true? If we really believe that, it will flesh itself out. We'll be acting upon it. We can go ahead all day and say, Oh, we have faith. We have faith. But when it comes down to where we have to put action behind it, that really determines if we really have faith. See, do you have confidence? Do you have confidence that God has said it and that settles it? I might have told you this story before, but my... uh, my father-in-law uh, was an uh, un, unusual man. He was a, a carpenter and, uh, and, and all that. But uh, he had a bumper sticker on his truck. And it said, God is my co-pilot. And I, and I looked at that and I thought, okay, I'm going to. Now, <clears throat> Papa, as we called him, was kind of a short man, but he was an intimidating man. <laughs> So I, I would tread softly around him at times. and So I got encouraged one day, and I just said, I said, Papa? He said, yeah. I said, uh, I, I, I kind of like your bumper sticker. And he said, yeah, yeah, you like that? And I said, I said, I kind of like it. He said, what do you mean you kind of like it? I said, well, uh, I know what it says. And he said, well, he is my occult, but, you know, he started rambling and going on. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, wouldn't it be better if he was your pilot? And he looked at me and he says, got a point there, son. (laughs) But he also had another bumper sticker that I really did like. It said, if God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. If God said it, that should settle it. And so that's what we're talking about faith. We have confidence. Now, I I thought about uh, confidence. I had to go to George Mueller. We heard George Mueller uh, quite often. You're talking about a man of faith. George Mueller had faith. He was in an ocean liner and he was going to an appointment. And uh, they were stuck in fog. Now, understand, this is the day. They didn't have uh, radar. They didn't have, uh, you know, all the modern technology that they had today. So it was a very dense fog, and they were like, they were just stuck. And the captain there was very frustrated. He had these passengers. And George Mueller uh, knew that he had an appointment, uh, an appointment that he he felt like God had arranged for him. And so he goes up to the deck and says, Captain, he says, uh, I want you to know that uh, I have an appointment uh, that God uh, has set up for me, and I cannot miss this appointment. God uh, set it up for me. He says, I have to be uh, named the place where he's going to be. And he says, I got to be there at a certain day. And the captain looked at him and he says, man, I don't know. I understand your frustration, but he says, uh, you're not going to be able to make that meeting. He says, don't you understand we're in a dense fog. Do you not see the fog? George Mueller looked at the captain. And he says, my eyes are not upon the fog. My eyes upon a living God that's in control of the fog. He says, we need to pray. Captain, well, said okay, so they went down to the chart room. Georgia Mueller started to pray, and he uh, cried out to God. He says, "God, you promised me, you made all the arrangements for me to be. He named the place they was going to be. Lord, you know there's a dense fog here, but I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm just going to ask you to remove that fog so I can make that appointment that you had already prearranged for me." Finished praying. He's fixing to leave. And the captain says, hey, he says, "Uh, I'll go ahead and pray. George Mueller looked at him and says, Captain, there's no need to pray. God's already answered my prayer. They walked up from the chart room to the deck. The fog was gone. George Mueller was a man of faith. It's been said as he ran his orphanages that he raised over four million dollars without asking a single person to help. That's faith. Do you have faith like that? Do you have a confidence in a God like that? See, you'll never be able to uh, get uh, uh, and be able to claim all the promises that God has in store for us unless you have confidence that God is a God of truth and His Word Is true. Do you operate like that? Do you have confidence in a God like that? See, the problem with too many of us, I'm afraid to say, is that uh, we have gotten so used to doing church on our own. Did you hear what I said? We've gotten so used. We know, how, we know how to do Sunday school. We've been taught in this church for years how to do Sunday school. We know how to get a lesson together. We know how to get an outline. We know all that. We, we know how to do ministries. We can do all of that. But it could be that we've gotten so accustomed for us doing it that we left God out of the picture. Do we really have faith? Do we really have faith that God will do what He said He will do? But the third thing that we need to see this morning is that we also must see that we have to have courage. Now, understand the sequence here. First of all, we have to have a total commitment And that total commitment will lead to a confidence in God is who He says He is and He will do what He said He will do. And that leads us to courage. See, that's where sometimes we skip. Sometimes we'll say that we have commitment. We say we have confidence, but when it comes to courage, that's when we back up a little bit. See, we need to go ahead and put feet to our prayers. We can pray in faith, but we need to understand God expects us to do our part as well. uh, Caleb here, may I remind you back in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 13 and also in chapter 14, the first thing that Caleb had to have courage for Is that he had to get over his grasshopper mentality. If you read uh, the 13th chapter of Numbers, you'll see that Caleb was describing, he says, uh, We saw the giants. Remember the story? They were going to go in, uh, uh, and they got the report that, oh man, they're giants. And the Bible tells us there in the 13th chapter of Numbers that many of them, the majority of them, made the reference that we're like grasshoppers to those giants, except for Caleb. Caleb was in the minority. Caleb didn't buy into that grasshopper mentality. Could it be today that there's somebody here uh, that you have a grasshopper mentality? When you look, and like the, the ones that Caleb was with, that when they saw those giants, they, they started thinking about how small they were compared to those giants. Caleb didn't think that way. Caleb came to understand and see it as see how small those giants are to my God. Oh, <laughs> there, there's some preach right there. Some of you have that grasshopper mentality. You, you have problems that come into your life. Oh, I'm fixing this. Somebody's fixing to set free right here on this one. You have a problem that you look at and it says, Oh, it's too big. Oh, we'll never be able to do that. You have the wrong type of mentality. You ought to say, Hey, that problem's not that big compared to my big God. <laughs> I'm telling you, we have a big God this morning. And no matter what you're facing this morning, you can be able to fight that battle not because you're mighty, but because He's mighty. And you need to get rid of that grasshopper mentality. I'm telling you, there's too many churches around. I have been in them. I understand they have grasshopper mentality. Oh, it's just a few of us. We can't do nothing for God. Well, that's silly. You understand He's a big God that you're serving. And He always, by the way, He always uses a remnant. He doesn't have to have a majority. You can be the minority, but you're in the majority when you turn it over to Him. Church, that's a word for us this morning. We can go and say, oh, we will not never, I've heard people say, well, we won't be able to, we won't be able to, that's grasshopper mentality. You need to go ahead and repent of that and get right with God and understand it's a big God that we serve. And by the way, it's not in our might, it's not in our strength, but it's in the strength of the Lord that's going to win our battles for us. But notice here, after, and then you go into Numbers 14, after he got over that grasshopper mentality, he understood that he could go and fight those giants. Those giants didn't mean anything to him because he understood his God was bigger. There's somebody here today. You haven't come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because you've bought into the lies, the father of lies, Satan telling you, "You've gone too far." He would not He can't save somebody like you. Oh, don't, don't! don't. If that church knew what you're d- dealing with now, they wouldn't ever ask you to come back to this church again. By the way, there will be no one turned away from this church if they're coming to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. You're here this morning. I don't care if you've gone as far as you think you could go. Our God is a big God, and He can rescue you, and He can save you. And so he, uh, Caleb says, I can fight these giants. I love the story closing. Derek Redmond. Now, that name might not mean anything to you, but if you are, uh, know anything about the Olympics... In 1992, Derek Redmond, who was from Great Britain, was in the 400 meters race. I mean, the Olympics. I mean, this is as big as it gets. So he's at the starting. They start the race. Something happened to him. He pulled a hamstring, but he, he collapsed right there on the track. I mean, he was in pain. Any of you have ever had a hamstring pull on you? You know what pain is, don't you? And so he, he, he was there, and, and, he, and you can almost see he, he's like, oh, what's the use, man? I mean, the runners are already, and it's not a long race, and he says, what's the use? But the, it, it, you can almost see that he says, no, 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 I, 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 I've come too far. I've trained too hard for this. And, and so he, he's pulling himself up. And he's struggling, and the crowd is cheering him. And they're, 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 you know, and you could tell that was helping him, and he was pulling himself up and he would start to run, and he would almost collapse again. And you could tell that he was ready to that watch the use, watch the use. And there he's struggling, and there a man came out of the stands, ran over to him, picked him up. And 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 put his arm over his shoulder, and uh, as Derek was limping, uh, this man carried him all the way to the finish line. That man that came out of the stands was Derek's daddy. That's a beautiful picture, is it not, of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can do for you? There's somebody here today. You're limping. You're struggling. You're ready to throw it in. You're, you're thinking, I got this limitation about me. I, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I, 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 and you're limping away. My dear friend, God the Father is wanting to lift you up and get you back. I'm encouraging you today is that first and foremost, we need to be totally committed. Amen. Are you totally committed this morning? The second thing is that we need to have confidence that God's Word is God's Word. It's truth. And we don't say we have faith, but we'll act upon the faith we say we have. And the third thing is, it's going to give us courage. Caleb, 85. He comes and says... Joshua, give me that mountain. And the mountain that he gave him was Hebron. In the Hebrew, Hebron means fellowship. Every one of you that's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a Hebron waiting for you. And now you don't have to wait till you die to claim that inheritance. You can have it now. The question is, how close of a fellowship do you want to have? Lost person, you too can claim that mountain. You can have fellowship with a holy God. How do we know that? because of what took place at Calvary's tree. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus shed His blood so that you could have remission of your sins. See, Jesus did that so that you could have fellowship with Him. You don't have fellowship by chanting. You don't have fellowship by your attendance. You don't have fellowship in all the other ways. You have fellowship... When you repent and confess your sins and cry out into His name and say, Lord Jesus, the best I know how, I want you in my life. You can have fellowship. You can have Hebron here this morning.